Welcome to the Burned In Teacher Podcast. This is episode 130 and part two of how I'm dealing with disruptive, disrespectful, and defiant behaviors. Based on the responses that I've gotten from my episode a few weeks ago, which was part one, this has been really helpful and really needed to any teachers out there who are feeling burned and over it or burned and unbalanced by the behaviors of your students. So if you haven't listened to part one, I do encourage you to hit pause, go back, listen to part one, and then join us for this episode. See you in there. Hey there, I'm Amber Harper, former burned out teacher turned teacher burnout coach, dedicated to helping other teachers like you to grow through your burnout and take your next best steps toward what you want from your career in education and in life. After an embarrassing emotional breakdown in front of my teacher besties, I knew something needed to change, and that something was me. I decided that I wasn't going to settle for burnout as my sentence, as a teacher, mom, wife, or friend. And I knew it was going to take way more than practicing conventional self-care to make the progress I wanted to make. No amount of manicures, bottles of wine, or bubble baths was going to save this girl. Fast forward a few years later, and I've used everything I've learned about teacher burnout and personal development to write a book, build a course, and lead a community of burned-in teachers who refuse to settle for a life of burnout as their forever reality. I've used my burnout as an opportunity to become an active participant in my life, in the classroom and here on the mic, using all that I've learned to teach kids and serve teachers. And you can do the same. The Burned In Teacher podcast is one part burnout and all other parts action, inspiration, and support to help you grow through your burnout and live a happier, more fulfilled career and life. So take a deep breath, my friend, because you're about to take your next best step to becoming a Burned In Teacher. Now let's get started. This episode of the Burned In Teacher Podcast is sponsored by the Bailey and Wood Burned In Teacher Award. As part of their Hometown Hero Program, Bailey and Wood Financial Group wants to offer teachers an opportunity to get burned in at no cost to them. Each season, Stephanie Van Hooten of Bailey and Wood Financial Group will award one nominee a full Forever Access scholarship to join the Burned In Teacher Mastermind. And hey, if you're burned in already, you can gift your scholarship into the mastermind to a teacher friend who you think could use the support of a community of educators who are dedicated to helping each other to grow through their burnout. To nominate yourself or a teacher friend for the Bailey and Wood Burned In Teacher Award, go to burnedinteacher.com slash nominate and tell us a little about you and this burned in teacher who could use a little extra something special in appreciation of their service as a teacher. Let's celebrate our hometown heroes together. Burn on. Hey there, Burned In Teachers. Welcome into the Burned In Teacher podcast. So glad you're joining me here today for part two of how I'm dealing with defiant, disrespectful, and distracting behaviors. Wow. Um, I, I cannot believe the responses that I've gotten from people. I've gotten some DMs. I've gotten some 
comments on um, some Facebook posts and um, some people asking questions via email. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad that this resonated with you and it makes me feel as a teacher like I am not alone, which I know that I'm not because I have you lovely people here. Um, but you know, sometimes it can be a little hard even for me to be vulnerable and talk about how challenging some things are because you know there's always this little voice in the back of your head that's telling you you should have it all together (laughs) Um, but we don't so thank you so much for anybody who reached out and said thank you or asked questions and um, told me that they they realized I had even somebody reach out and say you know at first I was thinking I teach third grade this doesn't really apply to me but actually it really does it's been a long time since I've gone over procedures and expectations and rewarded those behaviors that I'm seeing and um, so I'm really glad to hear that there are you know teachers outside of the kindergarten realm um, who are also finding this valuable before we jump into part two though as you heard um, this episode is sponsored by the Bailey and Woodburn and Teacher Award so I have to excitedly announce the winner of the winter 2022 Burned in Teacher or Bailey and Woodburn in Teacher Award, and that is Christina Pominville. Christina is a high school science teacher in Cornwall, New York State, and I just loved her submission so much. She nominated herself, as most teachers have who have won the awards. And I love that she and I sort of share some similarities in our burnout journey. Um, So I'm going to read her submission here. And if this sounds like you or if you know somebody who you think would be a really good recipient of this award, um, go ahead and go to burnedinteacher.com slash nominate. And you can nominate yourself or you can nominate someone else in your life, um, your teacher friend, um, who you feel could use the support of a community and a course that can help them to grow through their burnout. All right, so here is what Christina said. She said, I have left teaching twice, once in 2013 and again in 2017. I'm back at it as of this month and so excited to be working with students who need extra help passing science courses due to the pandemic. This role will likely go beyond the next year and a half, and I want to make the most of it. I want to make such a positive impact on my students and give them a safe place to learn and grow. I've struggled in the past few years with my identity outside of being a teacher and felt lost without it. I definitely experienced burnout for nine nine out of the ten years I was in the classroom. I believe this will be different now. It will because I found Burn-In Teacher and you inspired me to get back in the classroom and rediscover my love of teaching and thus myself. I'm so grateful already to work with you for the work that you do and your podcasts and Facebook Lives. They give me so much inspiration and hope that this time it will be so much better than ever. Thank you. Christina, first of all, thank you so much for, you know, giving a nod to myself and to, you know, the Burn-In Teacher podcast Facebook group and um, and the podcast, you know, this Burned in Teacher is going on six years old. And um, to hear that it's been helpful in you making the decision to go back into the classroom, and girl, I hear you. I, nine out of 10 years, I struggled for 10 years with, you know, the roller coaster of burnout. I've left, left teaching twice and I've returned twice. And, you know, it really does take sometimes hitting that rock bottom and leaving 
um, to realize that there are things within your control that you can focus on and change. And I know that the Burnin Teacher Mastermind is going to help you to use your burnout as a catalyst for change, which it already sounds like it has. This is going to get, give you a lot of momentum. So we are so excited to welcome you into the Burned In Teacher Mastermind community. And uh, and thank you. Thank you so much for nominating yourself. This is, this is going to be fantastic. So again, if you would like to nominate yourself for the Bailey and Wood Burned In Teacher Award, feel free to go to burnedinteacher.com slash nominate. Now, with that being said, I am going to jump into um, part two of how I'm dealing with disruptive, disrespectful, and defiant behaviors. So if you have not listened to part one, I really encourage you to do so because a lot of the foundational um the foundational foundational things that I've been doing with my students since the beginning of the year, I really do lay out in that episode. I'm going to sort of move right into what happens after my morning meeting, after we leave our circle and move into our carpet spaces um, where they are then sitting in rows. I immediately go into our reading rounds. Um, I'm a huge fan of keeping it simple and this part really, really sort of emphasizes the need for you to have people in your teacher circle who are going to push you to do things that are uncomfortable and even push you to do things that you've told yourself you will never do again, okay? So I have to give my friend Molly Wheatley a huge shout out because I was talking to her on Marco Polo one day and I was like, I'm really not happy with the behavior of my kids um, during our literacy block. Um, And listen to this. At this time, it wasn't even really a full literacy block. I was doing some phonics here, and then we would do, you know, we would start with with math, and then we would go into um, our read aloud, and then we would do, you know, it it was just very, very messy and broken. And I was telling her how unhappy I was with it because I really wanted to get three reading rounds in. I really wanted to get three um, guided reading groups in, and. She was like, well, why don't you do Daily Five? Have you ever heard of Daily Five? And I'm like, oh, no. No friggin' way. I am never touching Daily Five again. It is a mess. It is chaotic. I'm not doing it. And she was like, why? It's amazing. And of course, (laughs) I'm like, all right, tell me how this is so amazing. Because when I tried it in first grade, it was a nightmare. It was so loud. The kids were everywhere. I was constantly having to yell at the kids to tell them to be quiet, get back to work. I never got anything done. And she goes, Amber, you keep it so simple. Like you keep it so simple that there's no way that that they could be chaotic. So I was like, all right, tell me more. Basically, what it came down to is that, number one, instead of doing five rounds of daily five, because I have 27 kindergartners, I am doing, I'm only doing three. That's all that we have time for. Transitions take a lot longer with this many students. And um, the expectations that I have for them during, during these three rounds are all basically exactly the same. And in fact, before I tell you, and I think I already alluded to this a little bit in part one, but before I tell you exactly my expectations for every single round, I want to also tell you that it has gone so well that I have um, 
sort of evolved these expectations into our math block for their independent work time and for writer's workshop for their independent math time. I'm sorry, their independent writing time. (laughs) So I'm going to go through those expectations right now. And what I simply do is I just created a slide. And I do change them a little bit based on, you know, obviously um, their expectations for – for read to self are going to be a little bit different than word work because they're they're actually doing two different things. And then we also do listen to reading. Those are the only things that we do every day. And next year, I think that I'm going to be able to rotate in work on writing. We won't do listen to reading every day. I'm not sure. I'm going to explore it. But right now, through the end of the year, we do we are only doing three rounds. They are exactly the same three rounds every single day. So here are my expectations that they can literally finish the sentences too. So for read to self, I really emphasize the idea of independence means all by myself without having to be constantly reminded. So for the student section of the T-chart, if you're familiar with Daily 5, you know what I'm talking about for what the students are doing. I always tell them we use a quiet whisper voice of and they go zero or one. And then the next expectation is stay in one spot. Read the whole time. And I'm emphasizing the last word because they finished the sentence for me. Eyes on your book the whole time. We are building stamina. Stamina means doing one thing for a long time. And like I said, I'm saying this a little slow because I'm saying it like I would say to them and they help me to finish the, um, the, the statements. And then of course for what Mrs. Harper is doing, that's me, I always tell them, um, they know that I am meeting with book clubs. Um, I got that idea to call the guided reading groups book clubs from Molly as well. So thank you, Molly, for pushing me to do something that I didn't want to do because it's been amazing. Um, This also leads into a side discussion about why is it important that you use a quiet whisper voice and that you stay in one spot and you read your book the whole time and you keep your eyes on the book? Why is that important? Why, Why do we do that? And so we really quickly, they raise their hands, which is also something that is consistently reinforced. Um, and we, we share why it's respectful and why it's responsible, you know, why it's important. And it's because, it's not because Mrs. Harper wants to be mean. You know, I ask them, is it because I want to be mean and bossy? And they're like, no, um, it's because I'm working with students and that is my job and I'm a teacher and my job is to teach and so you have to be respectful and responsible with your body and your books so that I can do my best teaching with book clubs. So that's what we do after we do our read aloud. Then I teach our phonics lesson, go over sight words or whatever it is that we're doing that day and um, actually let me back up. Also something that has been a huge help is our read to self stamina tracker. So at, this is also part of daily five if you're familiar with it. But I have a slide that I just basically inserted a table and it says Monday through Friday and then minutes one through 15 um, in the columns. 
So every day our goal is 15 minutes without Mrs. Harper having to call us back to the carpet because we are not following our expectations or without having to call out too many students like this, for example. Um, Briella, please keep your eyes on your own book. Uh, Peyton, please stay in one spot. Um, Jacob, keep your eyes on your book the whole time. Abel, please use a level whisper voice of zero or one. So if I don't have to do that too much or if I don't have to, you know, actually call a timeout and say, everybody put your books down, come to the carpet, please, so that we can talk about why we're not meeting those expectations. If I don't have to do that, we reach our goal of 15 minutes. Um, what I'm doing is I have three stars that I just, you know, printed on a, you know, paper and I laminated them and magnetized them. Each time that we reach our goal of 15 minutes, we earn a star. When we earn three stars, and this could be for any by myself work time. It used to be just for reading rounds. And I'm like, why the heck am I only encouraging them to do the right thing during those reading rounds? Um, and this is, again, why it is that I said I keep this so simple that I use every single same expectation and reward for every single subject. There is no need for me to overcomplicate and under support any subject over another. So they can earn a star from any of the subjects throughout the day. And it used to be whenever they would get three stars that they would get 10 minutes of extra recess for their second recess time. And they loved that, of course. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give them some ownership of it because I'm the one who came up with the extra recess. So actually, this week on Monday during our morning meeting, I said, you know what, guys? I'm so excited. I know you guys are going to earn three stars this week. I just know it. And I said, you know, I know that you love that extra recess time, but I said, I know there are other things that I think you would be really, really excited about earning by doing the right thing and meeting our expectations. And they were like, yeah. And I said, okay, well, let's brainstorm together. Let's think of some other fun things. So they came up with um, 10 minutes of free iPad time, which they literally never get free iPad time, ever. I don't have my kids on their iPads all day, um, just certain small parts of the day. And uh, so that's one of the one of the things I can draw. And I create. I just have a little bucket, and I taped a star on the front of it that's the same as the other stars, and that's called our star bucket. So that's one of the choices. The other one was um, Mrs. Harper coming and eating lunch with them one day. So one day I will go and just walk around and sit with each of their tables for a little bit and have lunch with them. Another thing that they thought would be really cool is they could each get two M and M's. You know, sometimes I do use M and M's as kind of a hey, great job. Here's an M and M. I do that, okay? I know that this is going to get into some murky waters with some of you, but it works for me. Um, another thing was uh, 10 extra minutes of morning choice time. So um, they will, you know, if they earn three stars, then after announcements, instead of them cleaning up right away, I will set my timer for 10 more minutes and they will get 10 more minutes of extra morning choice time, whatever their choices are. I went over that on um, episode 129, part one. Um, so they came up with a, several things. And actually, some of the kids, I told them, I said, if you have another good idea that we can add to the star bucket, absolutely we can do that. As long as it is, you know, something that's, you know, within reason. So we talked a little bit about that. Okay. So that has been a huge, huge help. And I'm not kidding you when I say that at the end of every subject, it's the same slide for each of them. I just change them a little bit and it, we always go over our time expectation of 15 minutes. If they're really struggling um, 
for a couple of days, I will lower the expectation to 12 minutes, you know, or 10 minutes. And sometimes it's based on how much time we have too. So that has been a huge help. Um, so then if I go down to, and I say down because I'm scrolling through my slides right now, um, for word work, um, after our phonics lesson, they have something that they have to do before they can make a choice. Um, so for word work, no matter what I teach for phonics, they are always doing some sort of writing. So it's either sight word sentences that I purchased from TPT um, or they are writing, um, they're doing handwriting practice of letters. Okay. Now I will say this. Um, this is my first year in kindergarten. I will start handwriting practice letter by letter way earlier next year. <laughs> so by this time next year, we will not be practicing letter by letter. They will be writing words. They will be doing more with sight word writing. Um, but this year, this is this is the very best that I'm that I can do. So I'm going to show myself grace there. And they are writing every single day outside of writer's workshop time. They are hands to pencil writing. So for their word work expectations, again, it's we use a quiet whisper voice of zero or one. Stay in one spot. Eyes on your own work. Build stamina. Doing one thing for a long time. Now here's where it gets a little different. Finish your work first before making a choice. Choose a puzzle or an app. So I always have some sort of word work app that they can choose from. Also, these choices are on a slide so that they can see their choices. Um, now, for our morning work, um, when they come in, they do have puzzles as choices. Recently, as of maybe three weeks ago, I actually did take out the puzzles as a choice for word work time. It was just too loud, too chaotic. And I was just having to do a lot of redirecting. It was very distracting for my book clubs. So I actually took those away as an option right now. I will introduce them a couple weeks maybe after spring break once we get back into our routines. Um, so as far as you know, my reading rounds, rounds go, they're very, very similar. But they're not a whole lot different than my math expectations. So... Um, we do iReady math, and I even created some iReady math expectations for whenever they are doing their iReady time. You know, if, you, if you're familiar with this program, it's, there's an app that it's um, individualized and differentiated for their needs, but they were really struggling with finishing any lessons because I hadn't given them guided, um, guided support that we consistently go over every day. So I now have an anchor chart in our room. And I also have this on our slides as well, <laughs> um, that our iReady math expectations are. And we, we put, you know, our hands around our eyes and we say, um, to, to get a check mark, we have to keep our eyes on iReady the whole time. We put our hands behind our ears. We say, listen to the lessons. We make a heart by our chest and we say, make careful choices. And then we hold two hands in the air. We say we spend 10 minutes doing our best math so we can get checks. And then our school has an incentive to where if they get so many checks, you know, they pass so many lessons, they get ice cream at the end of the month. So again, this may not follow your same, you know, rewards and repairs philosophy, but it works really well with motivating the kids. It is extrinsic, but it, it works for us and it's gotten the kids really excited and they really are proud of themselves whenever they get those check marks. Um, so 
that's that's what we're doing there. Um, so I'm going to stop going over these. You, you've probably gotten the gist. Every, for math, I'm looking at my math slide right now. Use a quiet whisper voice of zero or one. Stay in one spot. Eyes on your iPad. Um, our eyes are in your own work. When you finish your math journal work, then you make a choice. So um, it's all the same, every single subject. So that has been huge. Um, I'm actually, I can't remember if I told you this or not, but on the clouds above their, um, above their table spaces, I also clip stars for groups that are working really well together and are keeping each other in check. So during that independent writing time or independent math time or reading time, I will actually get up and I will walk around the room and I will give a star to any groups that I've you know noticed they are just working really well independently without me saying anything. Or I'm seeing students who are correcting other students. You know, in part one, I taught that I told you how I taught the kids how to advocate for themselves and how to help keep others on track. So I might see, um, you know, I might see Lillian turn to Briella and say, please stop. I'm trying to work with her hand held up. Or I might see someone kindly say, shh, to a student who's reading too loud. Or they might say, please stop reading so loud. So when I see those behaviors, I reward the entire group because there's two full, there's two parts to this, right? You know, if somebody's telling somebody else to please stop and the other person stops, that's showing respect. So the, I reward that. Um, and then at the end of the day, I reward extra dojo points to each group depending on how many stars they have. So um, so that's, that's that. And I'm going to be honest with you. We're teachers to teachers, right? So... Do I actually give them the dojo points every single day whenever they leave the classroom? No, I don't. But it is a visual reminder, hey, we worked together. We did really well. Um, so that in a gist is, you know, subject by subject how I'm setting my kids up for success whenever, you know, I've noticed all of these disrespectful um, and distracting behaviors. So – I want to fast forward now to the end of our day. We have a morning circle and we have a closing circle. Now I will tell you at the very end of the day, we do not sit in an actual circle. Um, but we do come to the carpet together. I have a closing circle song. It's not my favorite. I will probably switch it up next year, but it's working. So I will link that in the show notes. And that is their signal that they come sit at their carpet space. And then we have a the exact same routine every day. We share something we are proud of, either individually what we are proud of from the day or as a class what we're really proud of. And then we share something that we feel like we can do better tomorrow. Now, um, I do have a jar full of sticks. I, I went kind of old school with this. This is not obviously a very new idea. But I do have sticks with everybody's name on, each student's name on them that I draw. And I choose three people um, at the end of the day if they raise their hand and they are, you know, sitting with our whole body listening. I will explain whole body listening in just a second. And um, I will, you know, choose them to share something they're proud of and then three students to share something that they know that they can do better tomorrow. This has made a huge difference because it's helping them to reflect on their day and also what they can do better the next day. We also, again, come back to our goal for the day. So if you didn't listen to, yes, uh, to the last episode, I talk about how every day we have a class goal. So it might be come to the carpet quickly and quietly. 
It might be clean up quickly and quietly. It might be be respectful of Mrs. Harper and do what you're asked to do even if you don't feel like it. They could literally say that, even if you don't feel like it. Um, they, you know, there are any number, uh, use a kind, calm, caring voice. That's been a goal many times. Um, so if we have felt, we, we vote on it too, you know, put a thumb up by your heart if you think that we met our goal today of, um, of not talking during quiet work time or keeping our, you know, focusing on our work during quiet work time. Thumbs up, thumb in the middle if we kind of did it, thumbs down. Um, and, you know, if they all get thumbs up and, of course, I, you know, reflect on the day as well, then we all get a class dojo point uh, for respect or responsibility, whatever aligns well with that classroom goal for the day. And finally, I tell them something that I'm proud of them all for and something that I know that we can do better tomorrow. And then, this is one of my favorite things to do, I used to do this chant at the beginning of the day, and I've done this ever since I started teaching 13 years ago. I heard um, when I was um, interning in a classroom, a fifth grade classroom, oh my gosh, couldn't even tell you, 2005 maybe, <laughs> I ha- I, and I don't even know if this is exactly what she said, but... It stuck with me and I was like, I want to motivate my students like this. This is like a mantra, right? I used to do it at the beginning of the day. Well, now I do it at the end of the day. It's a beautiful way to end our day on a very positive and proactive and empowering note. So as a class, I say it. I say these, you know, these statements and then they echo me. So um, they point at themselves and they say, I am happy. I am healthy. I am successful. And every day. In every way, I am getting better and better, and I believe it. They are not allowed to shout it. That is that is it. They just repeat after me. And then after that, they kiss their hand, kiss their brain. They give themselves a hug from me, and I tell them, I'm so proud to be your teacher. I cannot wait to see you again tomorrow. Now please pack up your things and show me you're ready by sitting down in your seat when your backpack is packed and your jacket is on. And then they go. And that's our day. Um, and I just cannot, like even even like going through that, you know, closing circle procedure, it gives me goosebumps because it has just become a real staple of our day in closing our day together and really reflecting on what we've done really well and what we will do better tomorrow. And I told you a second ago that I would tell you a little bit about this whole body listening. And I'm not going to go too deep into this, um, but... I will tell you something big that I did just a couple of days ago is I enrolled in the heart-centered classroom management system by uh, the active educator. This is Adriana Zorowska, and you can find her on Instagram at the underscore active underscore educator. And um, you can go to theactiveeducator.com to learn more about her and the programs that she offers, and she's also on Teachers Pay Teachers. But I found her recently through Instagram and I've been, you know, watching her reels and I've been, you know, kind of, I got on theactiveeducator.com and and was going through her stuff and I was like, oh my gosh, she and I are a lot alike. We seem to have the same values when it comes to managing our classroom. I really think that I could, I I really think that I could thrive with this class, this heart-centered classroom management program. Well, I reached out to her on Instagram and I was like, well, number one, 
I said, hi, Andriana. I am Amber Harper from The Vernon Teacher. I just want to let you know I've been paying attention to what you're doing. I think it's amazing. It's very closely aligned to the, you know, the social emotional learning uh, that I do with my students and how I've been, you know, um, helping them to regulate themselves. You know, we've talked about the zones of regulation. And I said, your program for classroom management is just right up my alley. So I think I'm going to enroll in the program. Second of all, I would love for you to come on the Burn and Teacher podcast and tell your story and to talk a little bit about this heart-centered classroom management because I know that, you know, when I ask teachers why it is that they are struggling, a lot of times their response is, you know, disrespect from students, um, apathy, negativity, you know, all of those things that eventually burn us out if we don't do anything different. And I said, I know this could be really helpful. And now that I've enrolled in the program, y'all, I am binge-watching and or binge listening because I play her videos in the car, but I don't watch them. I'm just listening to them like a podcast. And there are so many things, number one, that I'm like, yes, I am on the right track. I am doing the right things um, to help to support my kids. But there are other things that I'm like, I can do better with this. Like she's, she's opening my eyes to some holes that were in my own classroom management systems. So I purchased this program on Monday, and I have gotten through the first module, and I'm telling you already, I'm seeing a huge difference in the way that I'm interacting with my kids. Maybe not a huge difference, but it's just like up-leveled. And I could not be happier. So I cannot recommend following the underscore active underscore educator, Andriana Sarovska, um, and checking out the uh, heart-centered classroom management. She also has a heart-centered behavior management, which I'm really curious about, but the program is not open. I don't think the classroom management program is open anymore. I feel like I found her at the perfect time because she was just opening the doors, and I believe they might be closed again. But jump on the wait list if it's not open because it is 100% worth it. I am finding so much value in it. And I feel like she and I are the same teacher <laughs> with the, her love for chants and songs and um, and hand movements and gestures. Ugh, it's just fantastic. So to wrap up this two-part series on how I'm dealing with um, disruptive, disrespectful, and defiant behaviors, I have to circle back around to the very beginning of part one where I talked about the number one first thing that I am that I did and I continue to do is I have to take control of my mindset. And that's what I want to encourage all of you to start with. It is not you against them. It's not me against them. And this is not just my situation with my kids. This is with parents. This is with my administration. This is with anybody who I work beside or work with, um, it is up to me to set them up for success. And one thing that Andriana says in one of her videos is we cannot at the same time take our students' choices to heart and make it personal. Kids are going to be kids. They are not going to be perfect. They are going to slip up. No matter how many times you repeat expectations, no no matter how simple you make it, they're still going to mess up. They are. So I'm not wearing that. I have detached myself from their choices. But this is also because I know that I am doing the very best that I can with what I have right now. And I know that I will continue to improve. 
And I know that some students will still choose not to use the supports that I'm giving them. And that has to be okay. I know that I am one person, one human being, doing the very best that I can. And in a lot of instances, I have to believe that my students are doing the best that they can with what they have. They are with me for a very short time of their day (laughs) and their life. And so I will do my best, and I know in my heart that they are also doing their best. We are a team. It's not me against them. It's not them against me. We are going to work together to figure this out. And I'm going to use the 180 days that I have to teach them as much as I can about what is expected of them and help to set them up for success, not just this year, but maybe next year in the future too and beyond. So I'm so glad you joined me and I can't wait to share the next episode with you. And until next time, take a deep breath because you just took another step to becoming a burned-in teacher. Burn on. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, you can head over to burnedinteacher.com where you can access the entire vault of Burned In Teacher podcast episodes and more information about ways I want to help you go from burned out teacher to burned in human. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would be so grateful if you would head over to iTunes and leave a review and a rating about the Burned In Teacher podcast. Until next time, take a deep breath because you just took another step to becoming a burned in teacher. Burn on.